I'm Nick Jimenez, and this is the Cigar Snob Podcast. Cigar Snob's publisher, Eric Calvino, and I recently joined a group of cigar retailers and cigar media for Viaje al Origen. That's a Davidoff-sponsored tour of the iconic company's Dominican farming, fermentation, and manufacturing operation in the Dominican Republic. The tours and the tastings that were sandwiched in between were, for the most, uh, for the most part, led by Klaus Peter Kellner. He's the son of Davidoff's Henke Kellner, and at 27 years old, he is coming into his own as an ambassador for the brand. Just before eating ourselves into a stupor at Santiago's Saga restaurant, which, by the way, if you haven't been, you really should, and uh, get the tomahawk, we got hooked up to some microphones for a quick chat about growing up around the cigar business and what it's been like for class to learn the ropes and become one of Davidoff's lead cigar evangelists. But first, we're going to hear from this episode's sponsor, which is Safra Rum. At Cigar Snob Magazine, we know that man cannot live on water alone, which is why we keep a healthy stockpile of Safra rum at the office. I'm Nick Jimenez, Senior Editor of Cigar Snob Magazine, and I'm here to tell you that every time we crack open a bottle of Safra rum, we are impressed. In fact, I'm kind of hydrating with Safra rum right now. It's unlike anything else, in part because of Safra's small batch approach. They use only hand-cut sugarcane and process it into top-grade molasses, distill in column stills, and ferment in a proprietary locally grown yeast. The rum master then ages the virgin rum in carefully selected bourbon oak casks. The end result is a rum masterpiece that's great for top-shelf cocktails, drinking it on the rocks, or even just drinking it neat, which by the way, is what we did when we paired this in the pages of Cigar Snob Magazine with the Oliva Serie B Melanio, but it goes great with just about any cigar. Here's what we had to say about Safra Rum. Quote, the rum introduces smooth, honey, caramel, and molasses flavors that start to complement the coffee, chocolate, and spice from the cigar. Safra also received an exceptional 95-point rating from the Beverage Tasting Institute, so we are not the only ones who are crazy about this stuff. It's just another one of their prestigious awards. Ask for Safra Rum at your favorite retailer, restaurant, or bar. Make sure you follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Safra Rum. That's Z-A-F-R-A Rum. Safra Rum. Always drink responsibly and remember that there is no rum without Safra. All right, and now let's get into our interview with Klaus Peter Kellner. So we've been here in the Dominican Republic, and you've been leading these tours, sort of leading the pack, herding all these smoking sheep. Yes. Um, tell me a little bit about how you got to the point where you feel comfortable speaking with authority, uh, introducing people to cigars and leading them on that deep dive through the tastings and the tours and all the different facilities. You're 27 years old. Yep. So this is a thing that people with, I hesitate to say more experience because you've been around it for so long. Yeah. Uh, I have but, 27 years of experience. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but, but certainly people who uh, have had, you know, in a matter of speaking, their name on the building. Mm -hmm. So how do you get to the point where you feel as comfortable as you are and as good as you are at Thank leading you. people on that? Uh, so in regards to the, the tour that you're experiencing this week, the tour started in 1994, right? So... Um, three something years old. Right, and this and is Viaje al Origen that we're on right now. Exactly, this is Viaje al Origen. Um, first group, uh, a Spanish group. Um, actually, this is the first time that the tasting gets created, um, which many people do. There are different versions nowadays throughout the different companies. And I grew up seeing these 
tastings. Uh, am I allowed to even say what age I started smoking? You know, legally or not, right? Well, um, I don't know what the laws are here in the Dominican, so you know, maybe we're we, no, might, we actually, might be safe. Actually, but. I don't mind about that at all. Um, uh, actually, never hid anything from my family, never said anything from my parents. Actually, the first time I tasted a cigar, uh, I actually asked if they could taste the cigar, and believe it or not, four years old. So I grew up seeing my dad do these tours and he would go and call the school. My mother would call the school and say, hey, uh, class is not going to go to school today. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, today he has another type of education. He's going to go study tobacco. And I would uh, skip school for two days and I would follow the tour, the tours around and just listen to my father preach. You know, uh, we preach about tobacco. We make people fall in love with this. And... Uh, at some point, my older brother, Henry Mong, also was doing the tours. And it was the combo of them, plus the ambassadors that were coming in from Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Uh, Raymond and then Vincent. Um, so I grew up doing this. And I remember uh, being in the tastings, you know, smoking the, what you smoke today, the, the cylinder tubes of tobacco, the one, two, three complete. And to let people in on this, the, because this is something that maybe they don't hear in other, in other tours or in other tastings. Um, is this specifically your, your family, the, the terminology of cylinders versus cigars? So here we're talking about cylinders as, as being uh, single varietals of tobacco. to distinguish them from cigars as meaning a blend of tobaccos to achieve a certain balance and flavor. And all yeah. that. So actually, my father um, it was the first one to create this kind of tasting. Um, nowadays, different companies have their different versions. And I have heard the term cylinder be used. Okay. So... Um, you could say my father is the creator of this kind of uh, uh, single ingredient tastings to teach people how he blends okay. or how he blended at the time. Um, I was 17 years old, uh, grew up doing the tasting with him, seeing him, and um, my father starts the tasting and he says, okay guys, today we're going to be smoking three different cylinders and we're going to smoke a complete cigar that's composed out of these three cylinders. He says, and we're going to be doing this. It can explain a little bit of this, what you saw today in the factory, the farm. But guess what? Today we have a special guest. I'm sitting in the back of the room. There's 50 people in front of me. He's like, yeah, uh, Class Peter is going to come and join us today. And come up. Uh, hands, o- hands over the mic. He's like, introduce yourself. You've seen me do this enough times. And he says, and don't worry. If you mess up, I'll take the mic from you and fix it. And right. that's the first time I spoke about the tasting in front of people. Back then, he had the mic more than I did, you know. Right. And slowly but surely, uh, he's had the confidence to hand over the mic to me more often. And you've had the confidence to take the mic from him more often. Oh, yeah. I'm the only one that can take the mic away from him, and he doesn't complain. <laughs> <laughs> he likes to preach. He likes to talk a lot about his tobacco. But um, uh, basically, uh, this tasting is something that we live for. We love teaching it. We love uh, preaching about it. And... Uh, the best part of doing it, because now I can do it by myself, and I've actually traveled all over the U.S. doing this tasting. The, the best part of doing this is that from time to time I can do it with my father. So we can do the uh, father-son dynamic, right, where we are fighting over the mic. I make fun of him. He makes fun of how skinny I am. Then I say, oh, don't worry. One time I'll get your curve of happiness. It's, I'm the, you see, my experience will grow as my curve of happiness increases, right. you know, and... Uh, we have a cool tag team going on, which yeah. I think you experienced today. <laughs> How much of that is, uh, you know, because I think sometimes you see those things and you wonder how much of it is deliberate and how much of it is 
just sort of a natural playing off. Like, how does does that dynamic play out, like at the dinner table or something? Or it plays out at home all the time. Yeah. At some point, more or less around the same age, seventeen, eighteen, um, I stopped seeing him just as a father. I started seeing him as a really good friend. Right. So we have that really cool dynamic, and where we're always making fun of each other. Uh, whoever knows my father, Hanky. Uh, they know that he loves to joke. He has a joke for everything. Mm-hmm. So I hope that I have a little bit of that in my blood. Yeah. You know, and I have assimilated some of his jokes. Uh, I mean, we could do that tasting with our eyes shut. We could do uh, the whole tour with our eyes shut nowadays. And we know all of our jokes. But it's really cool to see that every time I do it with him, something new comes up. We always come up with something different. And uh, it's just there, you know. There's a little spark that we have up on stage. Yeah. And it's, it's funny to watch because you, from a, a presentation and a communication standpoint, you, you each sort of bring these very different skills where he's got this deep, deep well of knowledge that he just can't close. Oh, yeah. And you sort of have figured out how to manage. It's almost like you're doing choreography with a freight train. Like... <laughs> It just wants to keep going and going and going and going. And you sort of have figured out how to eh, steer it a little bit here and there. So it's, it's cool to see. Again, I'm the only one that can take the mic away from you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he is a wealth of knowledge. Um, uh, what he has in that brain of his, it's an encyclopedia of tobacco. And uh, little by little, you assimilate it, right? And you learn from your father and you learn from people around you. And... Uh, uh, where I think I come in when we do the tag team is I can really simplify his words. Uh, he has the ability to preach about tobacco at a scientific level. And I really like to make people understand it so that then they later can preach it on in their own words uh, to their fellow cigar friends, you know. So over the course of all this, you know, you interact with a lot of people, whether they're uh, tobacconists or consumers, uh, and not just Viajero Origen, but mm-hmm. other uh, other instances where you have people here. Uh, so two-part question. One, can you think of a time where you, and maybe even where he, was sort of stumped and was like, shit, that's a really good question. I should go back and, like, let me figure this out, because I hadn't thought of that. And two, maybe you don't want to get into this, because who knows who's listening to this, and but has is there a really stupid question that comes to like or weird like what is some of the weirdest stuff that you've heard asked because I've been on some of these tours and every once in a while somebody says something that's like listen I'm all for there's no such thing as a stupid question but I think yeah. maybe I heard one yeah <laughs> there's no wrong questions or not wrong answers but there are yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, good questions um, one time I was with my father in Ohio and. Uh, uh, a guy asked a very interesting question that was not out of uh, was out of the norm, you know. Yeah. And we always in the tobacco industry we talk about uh, curing process and fermentation and aging. Those are the three processes for tobacco, right? Um, once the tobacco is brown after it's cured, what most people don't understand is that the fermentation that we talk about in tobacco language is not the fermentation that they hear about in the liquor industry, right? So that was one question that was out of the blue that I was personally stumped because I didn't know how to answer it. My father grabs the mic from me and answers with his beautiful scientific answer, right? Mm -hmm. And basically, if you are going to talk about fermentation and compare it to uh, the alcohol industry, uh, fermentation is more like our curing. And our curing is where the tobacco is changing 
from starchy green to and it's fructose, glucose, and yellow, where all the sugars are changing. And then it's where all after that is the third color, which is the brown, where it's all the phenol and the phenoxidase oxidation of phenols, where the actual aromas and taste that we want in our final premium cigar. So that was one question that I was stumped with. But my father, I don't think I've ever seen him stumped. Yeah. Which is pretty awesome to say. Right, right. So were there any questions, that, that second part, that were just like, what is this guy talking about? Where did you, where did you come Look, from? I, with this I've, question? I've heard it all. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, but again, uh, a lot of people that I do these tastings with, uh, some of these people, it's their first cigar ever. So I, I adapt and I try to make my tastings so that it's as basic as possible. And I can have a tasting that the most expert taste is right next to the person that's just beginning to smoke and they both enjoy it. But I mean, I've had people uh, light up their cigar backwards. I have their people cut the cigar almost halfway, like down to the band, you know, uh, butcher yeah. uh, for some of us is considered, you know, an artisanal art, you know, it's, um, but in regard to a question, what we, it's, I don't know, it's a dumb question, but where, where I really, uh, I really had a big laugh was when one person that knew Spanish, uh, very new to the cigar world, was like, so why is this Ligero tobacco so rough on my palate? And I just started cracking up. Yeah. Because it was like that moment where then I just had to stop and explain how in tobacco language, a lot of our terminology uh, coming from a lot of it from Cuban uh, descent, uh, is completely backwards. Yeah, you know? Ligero in Spanish meaning light. Yeah, light yeah. or easygoing if you're describing a person or something like that. And then Ligero in tobacco language being the strongest tobacco out there. Right. And I just was laughing. The whole crowd was laughing. Yeah. And this person was just just asking a very honest question. Right, you know? yeah. That in, to anybody else would make sense. Sure. So over the course of, of all of these tastings, you know, I imagine it's just often the two of you doing these tastings and walking people through that process. So you probably, the two of you, more than most other people have had an opportunity to go through that process together. How is your palate different, if at all, from his, in terms of your preferences? I think our palates, uh, when I compare it to my father's, uh, changes um, throughout the last couple of years. Uh, I actually started smoking... Uh, you could say regularly uh, was at 17. So every time I mentioned like I was doing tastings with my father, it was like a couple times a year, you know, where I was really getting introduced into the culture. But uh, my palate has changed from starting with really soft to getting to very uh, intense cigars, very full body cigars. And then really now my palate has changed to where uh, I know what cigar wants at what time of the day. Uh, I love every cigar and um, as long as that cigar is not killing me, like having me on the floor, mm -hmm. you know, I love every cigar and I appreciate every cigar. And I know that there's a moment for every cigar uh, where my father likes to joke is that there is a curve of there's a curve for everything. There's a curve of happiness, his belly. There's right. a curve of aging for tobacco processes. And then there's a curve for cigar smokers. He likes to say that the younger you are. And when especially uh, new smokers, as you're developing your palate, uh, you basically uh, start in the softer range. 
then as you get older or your palate develops, you go into stronger, more full-bodied cigars. And then he says that he's now 73 years old and he's going back down the curve where he's starting to find lighter cigars more pleasing. Right. You know, actually, uh, just last week, my dad just comes into the office and says, Class, Davidoff 6000. I'd forgotten how pleasing it was. You know, he's like, I've been smoking Davidoff Yamasa and Davidoff Late Hour for the last couple months. And I just came back to Davidoff 6000. And it's, I, I miss the smoothness. I yeah. miss, you know. So we go through phases. Yeah. So you're almost sort of like coming into similar points in. I'm developing my palate to where I can definitely handle a lot more uh, stronger uh, cigars yeah. at different times of the day, um, where he's uh, basically uh, toning down, you could yeah, say, right. in regards to intensity. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're very different age groups, right? Right. right. That's <laughs> what I mean, right? You're, you're sort of on opposite ends of, of the peak of, oh, yeah. of that curve. So we're, we're, I'm ascending and he's descending. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so last last couple of things. One... Do you have any favorite Davidoff pairings that you would recommend to somebody listening to this who's going to go out and buy Davidoff but also wants to drink something? Okay. Uh, that's a tough question. Um, because top, top two. Uh, yeah, it's a tough question because the right answer always depends, right? But if you have to pick sure. like perfect pairings. Um, lately in, uh, in, in the last two years, we've gotten really into bourbon. Uh, it's my family and... Uh, we have a lounge here in the Dominican Republic called La Tabaqueria, and we, every time we can, we bring bourbon. Bourbon is not a big seller here in the Dominican Republic. So for you listeners, if you guys want to come to the Dominican Republic and visit us, bring bourbon, please. Bring bourbon. <laughs> or, or rye whiskey. We're liking a lot of rye whiskey lately. Uh, but <laughs> you can never know. Maybe next week I get a visitor. Yeah, you never know. Bourbon you're going to get some my... bourbon out of this. <laughs> yeah, I might get some bourbon out of this. But um, uh, bourbon tends to be sweeter. Uh, uh, spicier, mm -hmm. right? Um, and uh, we have had a lot of bourbon lately. Um, and I'm trying to. Uh, do I have to mention a brand? You don't have to. Don't have I'm, to not gonna, I'm not going to make you. But uh, I mean, uh, I, I've I've been a very big fan of Buffalo Trace lately. Okay. You know, so I, I've been uh, drinking many different bourbons. Maybe that one in particular comes to mind when I do this yeah. pairing. Uh, but I, I like Yamasa a lot. Okay. That Yamasa, Davidoff Yamasa, brings out has a lot of sweetness, has that pepper and spice in the center of palate, and I think it pairs well. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I love lately is uh, wine. Yeah. Uh, people always forget about wine, and when we're talking about the white wines, we're gonna go more into like the classics, uh, Davidoff Number Two, Davidoff Two Thousand. Mm -hmm. uh, you want maybe that Chardonnay that stimulates in the acidic area mm -hmm. but if we want if we're going to go into uh, uh the the red wines um maybe cabernet sauvignon uh, with more tannins more stimulation towards the back uh or you're going to want to stay to uh, davidoff cigars that have more potency in the back and that's probably like a davidoff nicaragua davidoff nicaragua box press that have that lineal abano type stimulation in the back right okay and then last thing somebody is traveling to santiago what are maybe like three or four things that you recommend they do other than cigar factories and cigar bar and like the tip? So, for example, right now we're doing this interview at Saga, yeah. which is a very popular, excellent restaurant. It was going to be one of my choices. A little biased because it's uh, my family's, uh, my brother-in-law's restaurant. But but I'm just thinking like if you come here as a cigar tourist, it's almost guaranteed you're going to end up here. Mm -hmm. Or you should. If you don't, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. But 
So other than that, like maybe you have a favorite, like something that locals know about. That so a tourist right now, if you want the best steak, uh, if, you, if you want that uh, tomahawk, you know, with the feast up to three people, I've only seen one person finish it. Uh, yeah. You're going to come here to Saga, sure. right? If you want that culinary experience, uh, there's some really other good restaurants in, in Santiago that have nothing to envy as well. But Saga comes to mind, especially because we're here. Yeah. Uh, in Santiago lately, there's been this, uh, in the last couple of months, there's, there's been a spike in food trucks. So, you know, the food truck culture just got here and everybody uh, is in on it. You know, so there's a lot of really nice places here if you want to do food trucks. And there's several. So I would just won't mention one. But ask around. There's a lot of good ones. Okay. Um, Which I think a, a tourist might go to a foreign country and not know what the standards. So it's that's useful because maybe they see food trucks and think, oh, that looks good. But should I trust the food trucks? Oh, uh, no, trust them. Uh, they're good. And um, they have this vintage style lately, you know, so the lighting and it's it's really good music environment and it's very relaxing. It's always outdoors. So even for us cigar smokers, it's even better, you know, right. and you're not in this up, up, more uptight situation where it's a restaurant. It's a little bit more fancy, you know, uh, if you're going to come to the American Republic, if you're going to go specifically to Santiago, um, go visit the monument. Um, it, you have to. Uh, we uh, Pro Cigar. Uh, now talking about the organization that it involves the major cigar manufacturers in Santiago just installed a new elevator there. We donated it there. Oh, wow. So go there, go up on the elevator up to the fifth floor. You have a beautiful view of the city. It's, it's fantastic. And if there's a fourth, uh, travel up to Camp David so you can have another beautiful view of the city and uh, see the sunset. You know, have a nice glass of wine, some dessert up there, maybe a coffee, and it's just going to be a fantastic, more chilly night. Awesome. Cool. All right, man. Thank you very much. And we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you. Thanks again to Class for the time. And as always, thank you for listening to the Cigar Snob Podcast. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, wherever it is that you do your podcast listening. And while you're at it, rate and review us. Also remember that you can write us at feedback at cigarsnobmag.com. We're actually looking for listener questions that we can pass along to cigar makers. So if you have some deep, burning questions about cigars to which you have been unable to find answers, by all means, send it our way and we will do what we can to unravel the mystery with our friends in the business. Finally, for those of you who are into social media, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cigar Snob Mag, or on Facebook by searching for Cigar Snob Magazine. Until next time, I'm Nick Jimenez, and this is the Cigar Snob Podcast. Cigar Snob.